Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. See that? Thinking about what God's allowed us to do in the last year. I've not been here since September of 2021, so it's been two years since I have been here with you. And I, I, I know you'll put this online, and to everyone else that listens to it, I'm sorry, but this is my favorite place to come. I am at Numa Church in my home city of Miami, and my heart will always be here. And the culture that you have created here is beyond my and my wife's expectations. We are never more welcomed and, and embraced and shown compassion than we are right here at Numa Church through Pastors Chris and Gabby and, and this team to be back with Julissa. Julissa, it's been longer than two years. No, it has not. And you look the same, and I've looked so much older. And what a blessing, and the miracles of God for you and your husband. And so thank you for allowing us to be back. You are the only church that puts a plug in for our tra trailer. Pastor Chris said, do you have a trailer? I said, still have a trailer. We are going to put a plug in for you. Nobody else does that. We travel the country and sometimes we're looking for a plug. But Numa has a plug in there and I'm sorry we've parked in the handicapped spaces over there. And the name of our Lord, forgive me. But you know, um, after two years, I have a talk for you this morning. And let every one of you on staff and those of you that knock on the trailer door and want to come inside, I look down front here, probably my longest friend in Miami is Oscar and his sweet and beautiful daughter Chloe that are here this morning. Oscar was a part of my youth ministry when I was a pastor here in Miami. I'm so honored that they are here today. And, not, you know, probably going back before that is, is Larry and his dear wife, Helen, uh, that go all the way back to my high school years. And, you know, after two years, the only thing I can say about Larry, he's still a rock star up here. And he has a new hairstyle since I've seen him two years ago. But I thank the Lord for their faithfulness. I think Helen is this morning ministering. Uh, uh, here uh, while we're having the service, and I pray for that, that meeting in just a moment of what God will do there. But thank you, Numa, Pastor Chris and Gabby and Evelyn, and yesterday I had a wonderful, wonderful time with Espy and, and her new husband, David, and got to, got to be with them and hear their story and give them a, a long overdue wedding present. But I could go on and on and on, and they've only given me 40 minutes, and that includes the invitation. And so I want to get into what God has placed on my heart. Um, let's open in prayer. Father, I'm up on stage, and, and um, you have whispered in my ear through the Holy Spirit, 
this talk that began in my son Clint's heart. I thank you that I got to hear him a week ago and it began a journey in my soul. I give him the credit for the thoughts here today. But Lord, it's, it's something that I should have said a long time ago. And so my prayer this morning is that you would forgive me of my sins, for they are many. And in spite of that, we have come this morning to hear the words of Jesus in Him alone. And so I pray in the stillness of these moments, we might hear the soft sound of sandaled feet. As you come in and sit down with us, and tap us on the shoulder and the heart, and ask us to hear. I pray, Father, this morning for our children all around the world, especially the people of Ukraine and those women and children, those men that are fighting. I pray for protection. I thank you, Lord, that, that we're able to help in some small way. I pray for my dear friend Gabby, for anointing upon her that on her birthday we might celebrate her life and her faithfulness to you. And so now, Lord, let every word be ordered by you. Let nothing stand in the way. Keep Satan and his evil ones far from Numa, outside of these fences and gates. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It was the weekend of April the 13th, 1967. Now that takes you back a ways. Most of you weren't around Miami in those days. But over here in North Miami Beach, where I grew up, I had, as a young boy, as Marta, your son, wanted to be baptized this morning, I walked into my, into my dad had a little small home, and it had one bathroom, and that bathroom was so small you could hardly turn around. And on Friday night after work, he'd take a shower and he would shave. He was standing there shaving and I walked into the bathroom and at the door there and I said to my dad, I want to give my heart to Jesus. So he called our pastor and the next morning, Saturday morning of that weekend, our pastor came to our home and he sat out in the little porch area of that house and he read John 3.16 to me. And he asked me if I believed that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And he led me in a prayer where I invited Jesus Christ into my life. I believed April the 13th, 1967, on Saturday morning. And on April the 14th, I was baptized in my church. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the most significant event that ever takes place in our life. But I think in the American culture, we have become deceived in the step between believing and following. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 4, that's where we're going to begin today. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. 
Jesus was with his disciples. Now remember, they're on the front end. These are fishermen and tax collectors and, and scholars. And in the fourth chapter, in the 19th verse, he said, Come follow me. Say that with me this morning. Come follow me. Now what does that mean to you this morning? What should it mean to us? I saw Marta's little boy or the lady that when she got into the baptistry, she had that t-shirt and it says, I will follow. I need that t-shirt before I leave here today. I want my wife to have one too. And I know Oscar, he always wants what I have, so I want Oscar and, and Chloe to have that t-shirt. I will follow him. We believe, and it's like taking the lottery ticket. Here the other day when the lottery was a billion dollars. Don't raise your hand, but I can tell you every time I went into Publix, I wanted to buy a ticket. Because I thought to myself, what could I do if God gave us a billion dollars? Did you ever think that way? What could I do? Well, I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll do what you're doing now with what he's put in your hand. It won't be different. And so on that Saturday morning, I believed, I gave my heart to Jesus. But I must say that it was a journey, or it has been a journey, to understand what it means to follow him. You see, following him, now, now, let this sink in. Following him is proof that you believe. Because in Matthew 4, when he's with his disciples and he says, come follow me, what happened next? Those of you that are Bible students, what happened post him saying to the disciples, come follow me? The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. So you have up against each other a call, as it's a call to us this morning. Have you believed? If you are here today and, and your sins are not forgiven, if you cannot say that if you stood before God this afternoon, that God would let you into his heaven, you can know that today. You can believe. And the Bible says that, for God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's not the question this morning, though. The question is, are you following him? Because in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, it begins with, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them all. And how did he begin? He said, Blessed or blessed. Now, how many of you today are facing a large challenge in your life? Can I see your hand? If you be honest about it, I'm facing a large challenge. I can tell you my wife and I are. We are. In fact, we're facing a number of challenges. But Jesus, as he asked the disciples to follow him, and then the crowd gathered around him, he said, Blessed. Over and over again, if you think of the, the greatest sermon, scholars say the greatest teaching of Jesus in all the Gospels is the Sermon on the Mount. 
He said, blessed. You know what that word means? It's the word for supreme happiness. Now, in all the challenges I have, all the challenges my wife and I have, our children and our, our nine grandchildren, have I told you we have nine grandchildren? You look at me and say, it's impossible. <laughs> but I can't tell you that I've ever been happier in my life facing the greatest challenges we've ever faced. Let me give you one. You heard on the video today that we have full-time now 2,000 children, thousands more beyond that from Ukraine. But our responsibility every morning when we get up, 2,000 children that we take care of. I've lost three children. I want you to say this first girl's name. Her name is Ashwani. Say that, say it one more time, Ashwani. And then I've lost two other girls, all three in India, Sheila and Sanjita. Sheila, Sanjita. Ashwani comes from a village where for 1,400 years they have sold one girl out of every family into slavery or trafficking. Sheila and Sanjita we found on the side of the road begging, covered in lice, filthy dirty, had no chance of a life, not one shred of hope. I remember since I've been here that I went to Ashwani's mother in Bandasendri village and I pleaded that she would allow her to come to our Hope Center. And I remember when her mother gathered some men around and it became dangerous and she said, don't ask us again. And sold her into sex trafficking in Bombay, Mumbai. The horror and the hell that she has faced since then I can't possibly imagine. They will sell her for sex until she's physically unable to perform or dead. Ashwani. Sheila and Sanjita, I tore up one of my shoulders there in India and had to have it put back together. And I remember that after I got out of surgery and I would sit at the end of the day and it would be hurting and throbbing and I was having to do my own physical therapy and Sheila would come over, a little 10-year-old girl, and she would say, Grandpa? And she'd put her little hand on my shoulder and she would gently massage it. And I would be teaching the girls all 200 in front of me and she would just sit back there and just massage my shoulder every night for weeks. And her drunken father came and tried to get them back one time and we paid him some money not to take them. And here recently, they went home to visit their mother and we understand that their dad took them and they have been sold and we have no idea where they are. I have 2,000 girls safe. I have three girls that have been lost. We just passed the 8 billion mark on this planet of people. And my God knows where those three girls are and we want them back. I was in the shower at my house the other morning, back into America. We just a week and a half or so ago came out of the war in Ukraine 
And conviction fell over me as I was in that shower and I thought of Sheila and Sanjita and Ashwani. And as I began to cry, I wept and I had to hold myself up on the wall, pleading with God to help us find those girls in a world of eight billion children, uh, men, women, and children. Jesus said, come follow me. But we get stuck between believing and what it means to really follow. He goes on to say, after the verse 3, the word blessed, I'm going to read down through verse 10. And we're moving into this category because I want, I want us to get a hold of, are we following? This is his greatest sermon. I can fall over the plug here. And it's still about his sermon. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Is your heart broken for what's happening in the world? Why should we care? Why should we care about Ukraine? And those women and children that cross every day. In the very beginning of that war when we were there, I asked these women and children in front of me, I said, they were, the legs were skinned, they'd fallen on their elbows, they'd rushed to get out, one suitcase left their husbands behind. I said, does anyone have any medical needs? Medical? This lady raised her hand and she pulled up her shirt and she had a port. She didn't know where she was going to get her cancer treatment. Another lady was motioning to her mouth, and I didn't understand, didn't have anybody at that time that spoke Ukraine, motioning to her mouth. I said, what's the matter? I went over, she opened her mouth, I put my iPhone light on, I looked in there, and all the teeth on this side were broken off. I said, what happened when the bombs hit? They clenched their jaws, they broke their teeth off. Do we mourn for those people? President Macron, we have a good brother here now, French brother on staff. President Macron said something today, it was powerful. He does have the coolest shoes on in the church this morning. <laughs> Takes a Frenchman to know that. But President Macron said today, when he met with our, or this week when he met with our president, they asked, they said, are we going to continue to help the Ukrainians? President Macron stood up straight and he said, if we don't see this through, the value of democracy will be lost in the world. There are some things that we have to fight and die for. Blessed are those that mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can I say to you this morning that if we are to get our arms around what it means to follow Christ, how familiar are you with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7? If you're not familiar with it, then I, I ask you to spend some time this week. You know how you get those little notifications on your iPhone, you spent this much time on your phone? I'll look at that sometimes and ask, how does that compare with the time that I spend in the Word of God and in prayer? 
Am I getting a little too close now? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You should get familiar with that sermon because it defines what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now I'm going to get right down to what I want to talk about this morning, what's on my heart. It says... And verse 2 of the Sermon on the Mount. So when you give to the needy, are you a giver to the needy? Do you give to those that need a hand up? Even when it means meeting their need before yours? He says, so when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. In America, we want the pat on the back. One of the most influential men in my entire life was a pastor by the name of Bill Hybels, Willow Creek Community Church. In the 80s and the 90s, he changed my life about seeing the lost. And he made a statement that revolutionized my life. I am doing the work with my wife and hope partners today because of one statement one time Bill Hybels spoke that I could not get away from. He said, you ought to find the one thing in the world that upsets you so much that you can't sleep and then spend the rest of your life trying to change it. You ought to find the one thing in the world that upsets you so much that you can't sleep and then spend the rest of your life trying to change it. In that same talk that day, he said, you know, when I feel best about myself, when I give to others. It's the opposite of the American culture. It's, it's, it's what's about me and mine, and, and every time I come into the church, I, I, I say to myself, you know, I would like to live here. And I'll, I'll see on the corner the mansions at whatever, right over here. And that's fine. I think everybody ought to have a wonderful house. But that's where we are in America. It's about the mansions, not about the people. Find the one thing that upsets you so much in this world and then spend the rest of your life trying to change it. Heibel's told the story how he was coming down the street. He's a Dutch guy, very, very frugal, thrifty. And he said there was a, a little girl with a, a lemonade stand and he pulled up and he smiled at her and he said, uh, how much is a cup of lemonade? And she said, 50 cents. He looked over and she had two pitchers sitting there. He said, how much for both pitchers? And she turned and ran to the house and said, she have to ask her mom and came back and said, $5. He said, I'll take it all. My wife will tell you, I love Girl Scout cookies. Can you tell? I love Girl Scout cookies. 
And some years ago, I had the idea, you walk into public sometimes, you know, and the girls are set up out there, and the moms are there, and they've got their Girl Scout outfits, and you know, they're asking people as they come out, would you like to buy a box of Girl Scout cookies? And I love walking up to that table and saying, yes, I would like Girl Scout cookies. How many do you have? And all of a sudden, the little girls will go and look at their mom, and they may have, I don't know, three or four cases of them. And they'll turn and look back to me and say, we have three or four cases. How many ever boxes of Girl Scout cookies that is? I'll say, I'll take them all. Now, I think it ruins it for the moms. I think they want to be there, have a little party, the girls you know, look cute and all that stuff. And I just shut them down. I want all the cookies. Let's go. Bring them to the truck. And I'll pull my truck up and We'll start loading Girl Scout cookies in there, and it may cost me two or three hundred dollars, let's say. Do you have two or three hundred dollars in the back of your wallet that's there, and you're not going to touch it for anything else but giving to a good cause or to the needy? I know some girls that have been to Girl Scouts that without them, it would not have made them responsible and hard workers and make a difference in their communities. It's a good cause. But it's really not about the cookies or the Girl Scouts. It's about generosity. You know, you will have this feeling in your heart. I'm going to do something. I'll take a box. Big deal. Two dollars or something. Do you save some money and put it in your wallet and say, this is for when the Holy Spirit touches my heart that I have it available to give? Jesus said, if you believe, you'll have an, an eternal life. But if you want to be supremely happy, blessed, are you when you give to the needy? When my wife and I started Hope Partners with our team 11 years ago, we were all in. I was telling Espy and her new husband David the story, they're new missionaries. I guess they'll be here the next hour. When you see them, they've given the last five months in a small village of 900 people. They live in a one-room space with a little small, tiny kitchen. The mosquitoes will carry you away. They're on the Pacific coast of Mexico. She left Numa. She left Miami after great sacrifice to her and this wonderful family we call Numa. Yesterday I sat there and said, how much support do you have? $300 a month. If I said to you today, would you be willing to go to Mexico and be a missionary? Or would you like to come be Joseph in India and raise 200 girls? Would you, would you go to Ukraine? And my wife and I and Ishmael, Ukraine, a couple of trips ago, while we were unloading our vans, the air raid sirens went off. Would you go there for $300 a month? These are heroes of the faith. 
I sat with pastor this morning and, and Gabby and I said to them, before they leave this month, we need to raise their support. They ought not to be worried about how they're eating and whether the mosquitoes are biting them. They're heroes coming in today. And they are ours. They're not somebody else's. They are ours. I have friends going through terrible struggles right now. Some of which will break your heart. But I'll say this to you this morning. Some years ago, a man that if I told you his name, you'd recognize it, sat down in a room with me when he was making a great contribution to his church for a project that they were in. I said, you have such a great reputation, integrity. You've been very successful. What have you followed that have kept you in the boundaries, so to speak? And he told me these six things. I want to pass them on to you this morning. He said, you know, Kirk, you'll never live a life of great passion if you don't take risks. So the question, and, and please stick with me, the question is this, are you just living your life or are you aspiring to something else? Most people just live their life. And they're not in the midst of great happiness. Well, you never will, will you, Julissa, unless you go to California. Was that a risk? Praying for that baby? And God honored that. Is there something inside of you that you want God to do? It will never, never happen without you taking great risks. But you say, but pastor, if you take great risk, you could, you could fail. Oh, that makes me laugh so hard. Of course you'll fail. Anyone that takes risks will fail. The issue is not failing. Failing is not final. But when you fail, fail forward. I've heard all my life, my dad used to say to me, now son, whatever you want to do with your life, make sure you have something you can fall back on. How many of you ever heard that? Something you can fall back. You're going into ministry, that's wonderful. Make sure you have something to, to fall back on. I want to say something to you. And if my dad was still on this earth and he was sitting back here, I probably wouldn't say it in front of him. But now that he's in heaven, if he can listen. Dad, that was bad advice. You don't want to fail back on something unless it's your faith. You want to fail forward. If you take a risk, you're going to fail. Reggie Jackson... One of the greatest home run hitters of all time. He had 2,600 strikeouts. More strikeouts than any batter in history. Nobody remembers his strikeouts. What do they remember? Mr. October. Take risks. Fail forward. I ran over one. The second one's supposed to be don't quit. You know, if you ever have the option of quitting 
And anything you do, just give up. You're, you're not going to get there to start with. Take risks. Don't quit. Consistency is the key to accomplishing your dreams. Get out of the rut of, my goodness, I just live my life. People will walk up, we have a booth out here. My wife and the ladies have got a booth out there, you got to see it. Last night she's working on it till midnight, midnight. I said, you know, I can't go to sleep. you got this book. I said, what in the world, all this kind of stuff you've got over there? All this stuff's made by our children. Opportunity to sponsor a child, change their life forever. Uh, prayer, follow us, all those kinds of things. And people will often say to us, oh, God bless you, you're so special. We're not special. We're, we're the most ordinary people you'd ever meet on the face of the earth. We were just willing to take a risk. We haven't quit, and we won't quit with God's help. We won't. There are children yet to rescue. And have we failed? <laughs> I've failed more times than you want to hear about this morning. But every time we fail, we fail forward. Number four, dreams without goals are only dreams. I waited. My dad was in his 60s, and I remember I was sitting at a breakfast table with him one day, and he was a heavy construction worker here in Miami and built a lot of the original bridges over the New River and the Palmetto Expressway and I-95. Worked hard his entire life. Came home dirty every night. He wasn't like a lot of my friends that when I went to Dade Christian School that were successful in the eyes of the world, had money, drove nice cars, had big houses, my father was just a working class man. My mom worked for the church so that we could pay the school bill for my brother and I to attend there. And when my dad was in his 60s, I said, Dad, did, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Did you ever have a dream? And he looked up at me. He said, sure, son, I've, I had a dream. I said, what was it? He said, I wanted to be a high school football coach. Played all the way through top 10 big college football. And his dream was to be a high school football coach. He ended up in Miami building bridges. I said, Dad, why didn't you do that? I'll never forget his words. He said, nobody ever told me how. Do you know anybody that has a dream that you could help get there? If I'd have known, I could have got my dad a high school football coach, a position. But I'm here to tell you that if you have a dream and not goals, you're not going to get there. What's the goal? Well, if you have a dream, what are you going to do today? After church is over and you go out there to get in your car and you go have lunch, what are you going to do today toward the, that dream? When you come to next Friday night and your wife looks across to you or, and she says, did you do anything to get toward that dream this week? Dreams have to have goals. They have to be done daily. They have to be done weekly. They have to be done monthly. They have to be done yearly. December is a time to reflect on this past year. What adjustments do you need to make to the dials of your life to get you toward that dream?
Well, you've got to take risks. You've got you to be willing not to quit. You've got to fail forward. And you've got to have goals attached to your dreams. And if you don't know how to do that, make sure you get to the staff and say, I need somebody to help me talk about how to get to, to our dreams. I walked around with our little dog, this property here. This is such an incredible piece of property. And I was envisioning what we should build over there. I was envisioning that. Because I constantly want to pour, pour into, into Chris that question that I asked him, does, does Miami need Numa? There are churches all around here. It's like the church central around here. But does Miami need Numa? Well, you have to ask the question. You, if you said to Oscar this morning that drove all the way from Miami Shores down here to church, when he goes and gets in the car with Chloe and we'll have lunch together, goes and gets in the car with Chloe and goes back and has a conversation. Did you get anything out of what Uncle Kirk was talking about today? What would you pick up? What's the one thing that's stuck in your mind? Then it was worth his drive down here. This entire section of Miami needs to know what's happening here with Marta and this worship team, with Chris and Gabby and this team. They just don't know where every one of these seats would be filled. You would say to people, hey, you got to come hear this talk. It helped me. With what? Moving from being a believer to a true follower. Taking risks, not quitting, falling forward, dreams with goals. Number five, hard work works. We're raising a generation of kids. One of the big problems we have with a lot of kids that are our interns We'll say to them, we want, you want to come to India and be an intern for six weeks? Come to Costa Rica, be an intern for six weeks? Yes. But here's what I require. And I scratch my head and I say, what does that mean? This is what you require. This is the job. Oh, no, I don't do that. How many breaks do I get? How much are you going to pay me? Let me say something that's never changed. I was born in 1955. What's never changed in my lifetime is hard work works. And if you're not raising your kids to have a respect for hard work, I'm telling you they've got a reality they're going to face that is going to be harsh. We have so much, and we think in our minds that giving to our kids more than we had. Give them more. Just, you know, cars and phones and the latest clothes and sneakers and on and on and on. We think that's what works. No, that doesn't work. I met Oscar Sestoki in a house with a family that had crumbled. And his best friend said, Oscar, come on, we're going with Mr. N. That's what they called me up to his house. And it was the very first night that he spent the night with me. He came from less than nothing to build one of the most successful businesses in Miami, Miami Fitness Connection. And he does as much for Chloe and Noah, their children, as any children I've ever known. But I'm here to tell you, if he doesn't build into their life that hard work works, what's going to happen to them if something happens to Oscar? Hard work works. And there's nothing like getting up in the morning early and working all day long, whether that's with sweat or with your mind, 
and putting some money in your pocket at the end of the week that you earned, hard work works. We are owed nothing. Number six, nothing is better than helping others. Nothing is better than helping others. We stopped with our trailer in Naples. We're, we live in St. Petersburg, Florida. So we're coming down 75. We stop there for a break, stretch our legs, get a little bit of lunch at, 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 uh, at um, Cracker Barrel. So it's packed. I parked in the RV section, and my wife and I are walking. As I'm walking, you, you say now in your humanity, you just picked to walk by this minivan. I just... God ordered my steps, because as I'm walking past this minivan, there's a man... And he's sitting in the sliding door. He's got blood coming down his arm. He's got a walker sitting there. And I stopped. I said, are you okay? He said, no, I fell. I said, let me help you. How can I help you? My wife went back to the truck, got a first aid kit, started doctoring up his cut on his arm. He said, I stopped for lunch. My wife's over here in a rehab center and I fell right here. Could you help me get my walker in the van? When I picked him up to get him in the driver's seat, I mean, I didn't think he was going to get to the driver's seat. I stuck the walker in the back seat. I walked past him after he thanked us for helping him. And I said, God, thank you for ordering our steps. Nothing is better than helping the needy. Are you walking past any great needs today? Any broken people? We have today the greatest exodus of refugees since World War II. Whether those are Venezuelans, poor Venezuelans are pouring out of Venezuela now, and they have no one to help them. The other day we were at our center in, in Costa Rica, a father with a backpack on his back, his little girl on the corner was his wife and his, his mom and two more of his kids, and he did not have one cent in his pocket. And when I asked him, I said, what are you trying to do? He said, I'm trying to get to America. We have a broken refugee policy. When did we turn the, our backs on the needy? We're the greatest country in the world. $300 billion this year have been given to philanthropic causes around the world. 70% of that money has come from Christians. Are you helping the needy? My last point this morning, you've already heard me say it, don't just aspire to make a living. Aspire to make a life. Make a life. Find the thing that upsets you so much in the world and then spend the rest of your life trying to change it. Let me show you a picture. Daniela, will you put that picture of Ashwani up there? So every week when we went to this village, this little girl, this is not her child, this little girl here was the, was the leading girl. There would be 200 children there. On the back row would be Ashwani. She would sit next to Violetta. We'd play games. She spoke English. We'd say, you need to come to the Hope Center. She'd say, talk to my mom. Week after week, month after month, Ashwani wanted to be a part of something more than being sold. And one day I went, and she said, one more time, one more time, Mr. Nairi, talk to my mom. She was sitting by a small fire, and I knelt down and I said, would you please give us a chance with Ashwani? It will change all of your lives forever. 
And she gathered these men together. And it got dangerous, as I said. We had to leave. And as I turned to look back, Ashwani, her face was so broken it was distorted. They sold her to Mumbai, one of the largest brothels in the world. And for about two or three dollars, she has sex with Indian men. And I say, God, it, it's just not right. That's what, you wonder what keeps me awake at night? I see her face. Sheila and Sanjita. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to change it for these children. What does God want you to do? You say, but I have so little in my hand. God only asks for you to surrender what you have in your hand, not what you don't. He doesn't want your promises based on seeing those signs of what this week's lottery is. He wants to ask you, what are you going to do with what you have now? Move from being a believer to a follower. Because I'm here to tell you, blessed, happy are those that set down all the weights that hold us back take off following him. Listen, the world will say that all the stuff that's out there will make you happy. But it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. What's done for Jesus lasts forever. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. If you're here today, the quietness of this moment, and you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why would you why would you leave here today not knowing that? Here's an opportunity for you to pray and believe. Would you like to do that today? Have your sins forgiven? Know that heaven's your home? I'm not saying it. God wrote it in His Word. For God so loved the world. That's you. That whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. So if you'd like to pray that prayer with me this morning in the quietness of this moment, let's pray. It goes like this. Dear God, I'm so sorry for the wrong I've done. I want your forgiveness. And right now, at this very moment, I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And right now, I give my life to him. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to remember you in prayer. And I want to call you out. I just want to remember you in prayer. As we close this morning, would you say, I prayed that prayer this morning and I meant it with my whole heart? Just raise your hand. Would you do that today? Anyone like that? Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? take just a moment to see who, where you are. Thank you. I wonder how many of you are here today and you say, God has spoken to me this morning and I want to move closer from just being a believer to being a follower. I, I want to be all in. I don't want to be halfway in. I don't want to be 10% in. I'm going to take a risk. I want to be all in. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
this morning I'm willing to make a promise to God that I'm going to do my very best. Would you raise your hand? Can I see where you are? Hands all over. Father, you've seen every one of these hands. You know every heart. Whatever the weight is that holds them down, whatever the burden is that's on them, I pray, Father, this morning that you would release that burden, that you would give them true freedom. Freedom from sin, from addiction, from a bad marriage, from problems in their past that Satan holds them down with. I pray, Father, this morning that you would help them let loose of all that holds them back to 24 hours a day, seven days a week being a true follower of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song. I want you to think about what God wants to do with your life. You could be an intern for Hope Partners. Look, look up this way at me now. You say, well, how could we help? I'll tell you the first way you could help. Danielle will put it up on the screen. This is something that will cost you nothing. Cost you nothing. Not that one. The, the other two. Right? See, it's the two codes, QR codes. There. How about following us so that when you're prompted to see what we're doing, you'll pray for us. That cost you anything? Nothing. Whether you're a Facebook person or an Instagram person, we just got some statistics. Our Facebook is down 30%. Our Instagram is up 60%. Follow us. If you don't know how to do that, let one of these young folks tell you how to do that QR code. Go to your photos, zoom in on this, and you'll become a follower. What do we call that? We call you, you'll become a hope advocate. A hope advocate for rescuing children and transforming their lives in Jesus' name through acts of compassion. Now, if you really want to step up to the plate, what do we need the most? Put that up. Next one. Sponsor a child. Go to this QR code or stop by the table. And for, I think, some kids, it's $39 a month. I have not had a meal since I got here two days ago that was $39. And if it was four people, it was $80. And we're not talking about going to a big place. I was going to La Carita. Do you know you can change a child's life to forever? $39.50 or, or $79 a month. You'll change a life like Ashwani forever. Would you do that? Well, I don't know about that. I will tell you, you come to me a year from now if the Lord lets me come back. If God doesn't give that back to you many fold, I'll give you your money back. God will be faithful to provide for you if you sacrifice for him. Now let's all stand up. Our worship team's going to lead us in a closing song. Thank you for listening to me today. I hope it helped you. Thanks again for listening. 
If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.